0: turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Suzy Betts for Female Startup Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. It's Dune here, your host and hype girl. I want to make a big shout out to everyone who's been joining the Facebook group to share your stories, ask questions, and get to know each other. I just love that vibe, and it makes me so happy getting to know more of you. So if you're not already chiming in, please come and hang out with us in our Facebook group. It's called Female Startup Club. Alrighty, today we're learning from Susie Bett. She is the founder of a company called Boob Armor, and she started the company after finding lumps in her breast as a result of playing contact sports throughout her life. And now, with Susie being a mom of two daughters who also play contact sports, she wanted to set out to create safety gear for women and girls all around the world. It's a really interesting episode, and we talk a lot about how she's approaching partnerships with major clubs like the Matildas right through to retail and schools and everything in between. If you love this episode, please do remember the girl code by sharing it with a friend who would benefit from hearing Susie's story or shouting about it online. You know how much I love it when you do that. Let's get into today's episode. This is Susie for Female Startup Club.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Susie, hi, welcome to the Female Startup Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, same, same. I want to give our listeners a little bit of context because I was lucky enough to hear you speak a couple of weeks ago and and to hear your origin story. And that's how I came to know about you and what you're doing with boob armor, which is just such a brilliant and amazing concept that it it's one of those things that I'm like, damn, how did this not exist before? Like, it's just so weird to me. But anyway, I met you a couple of weeks ago at the One Roof Pitch and I've just been so excited to have you back on the show to kind of relive the story that you started telling us that night. And I guess I'd love to start by kind of going back to your story, your origin story and the catalyst that led you towards Boo
2: Absolutely. So, in my late 40s, I found lumps in my right breast. And when I went to my breast cancer surgeon, she asked me if I'd ever received a trauma. And I thought that was a really weird question. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, well, you did you play sport? And I said, of course I played sport. I played netball and tennis. She said, well, you might have got a whack. Do you remember anything? And I said, look, I actually don't. So then I had to have imaging, which actually found more lumps in my left breast. I then had to have biopsies and two lots of surgery to find out that I didn't have breast cancer. Now, for some reason, I never thought I did, which is great because I was never really that stressed about it. But what I did have is something called fat necrosis, which are the lumps that um, can appear after you have had a trauma um, in your young years and they appear later in life. Now, as I said, you can't get breast cancer from a trauma to the breasts, but they mimic breast cancer cells. So until we had them taken out and tested, we didn't know what they were, and thank God for me, that's exactly what they were. Now I have to keep having my boobs tested every six months, whether it's an MRI, ultrasounds, and just to find out that we are still on track there. So having two daughters who both played basketball and football, the time I came home and I'm like, "Do you get hit in the boobs?" They're like, "What a stupid question, mum. Of course we do." And I'm like, "Whoa, okay, so this is real." So. People are getting injuries from being hit in the boobs. So I went looking on the internet for what research they'd been done. And and really at the time, it was probably just 2020, there'd really been nothing. The only thing you could find was done in college sports, soccer, basketball, lacrosse, et cetera, which had done some surveys on some athletes. And yes, they had received injuries to the boobs, but no further than that, nothing as to what happened to me. Then I went looking okay, what's on the market? Is there anything to protect girls? Because as my surgeon said, if you protected, you know, and your boobs aren't impacted, you know, you're not going to get these fat necrosis. So <laughs> really what I found was only things that were like vests or, or t-shirt style garments to put over what you, your bra. They had foam in them and they were they had compression we discovered the research along the way which was all about encapsulation so you needed to keep your breasts in their natural shape in like a shell we also found research that was done in in 1991 that actually did a number of different materials to prove the best form of protection or barrier between the breast and force impact and that was polyethylene so I knew what I needed to do I knew I needed to make something out of polyethylene. I knew it needed to be inserts that girls could wear and adapt into what they already own, which is a crop top or a sports bra. We wanted them to be able to chuck them in when they're running out on the field or if they want to wear them from home, they can like they would a mouth guard or like they would a pair of shin guards. So I then also knew that it needed to be cup sizes. You can't have a girl in a small, medium, large T-shirt or top-like thing with some padding that may not even be where your boobs are. And we wanted it to be light, not restrictive, flexible. So that's where we came up with our encapsulation inserts that, as I said, you slip them in as you're running out. They weigh about 15 grams each, approximately, and about two millimeters thick. And the polyethylene absorbs any force impact.
0: Wow. it's Yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I really kind of connect with your origin story. I'm someone who, you know, from a similar lens, I guess, I have like a lot of fibroadenoma across both of my boobs. And I don't think I've ever spoken about this on the show, but I had surgery last year to remove a lump that the doctor wasn't happy with. And so that shit is scary. And you kind of think like, well, like, yeah, how do you prevent these kinds of things? And I I personally didn't play contact sports, so I, I don't know what it's from or anything like that. But just knowing that as knowledge now, that's an important message for women to hear and for girls to know about for that, like, early prevention, early protection situation for, you know, later in life and things like that. How does it work when you're developing something like this? Like, is it considered med tech? Like, did you have to consult, you know, medical professionals and go down that kind of clinical trial testing kind of pathway?
2: We did consult. So we're really classified as PPE so we did consult obviously with surgeons physios and then what and we knew what we needed as i said to you earlier and then we trialed it on athletes across the board and what was the most amazing thing was as soon as they put them in and they got something come to their chest they're like oh my god i can't feel this so it was a lot of consultation and about 6 months worth of trial with with different areas, as I said, with physios, trainers, and athletes, and obviously getting the of what we really needed from the surgeon to start with.
0: Right. And so in that early kind of, you know, 2020, when you're starting to do the research, you're starting to do the development, and you're getting yourself to kind of like prototypes and then to launch, what was the kind of capital that you needed to initially invest? And how were you funding the business in the beginning?
2: So funny enough, I, I think I thought when I started this, I was doing it only for my daughters. It was like, I'll need 10 grand. So I did a website and that probably cost 10 grand at the time. And as I said, we just, you know, I paid for, you know, my samples and things like that along the way. And even to date, we've still bootstrapped the whole business. So, which, you know, has its downfalls, obviously, to try and scale but it's still good at the moment because I still own the, the shares in the business. But yeah, you know, and I—I I was probably really naive when I went in, thinking how much I needed.
0: And how how do you think about working capital now? And and kind of, do you approach the money piece of the business through grants or R and D tax benefits, or are you thinking about getting investors, or do you use debt? Like, how are you kind of growing? Because I know from when we spoke, and we'll get into the marketing piece. You know, you've you've got you know, thousands and tens and thousands and thousands of, of units. So I'm wondering kind of how you're managing your cash flow. Well,
2: you know what? That was another thing too, which I was really naive about cash flow. Someone once said to me, cash flow is key. And I'm like, you're talking about cash flow. And then, <laughs> then I started having none. So then I really realised that is key to every day. That's when you can sleep again, when you've got that, you know, money coming in. That Those 2am wake ups, whoa, a woman my age, it's not fun. And then the stress starts coming in too. I do get the EDMG grant for exporting. Mm -hmm. The R&D, for some reason, I don't know why I wasn't, I couldn't get that at the time. I still don't really understand the reason. There's, you know, I mean, I did apply for the BFF grant years ago and I was one of those, I don't know if you read about it at the time, I was one of them who was told yes, then no.
0: Oh, Um, yeah. I I mean, I've seen what's happening in the media now. For anyone listening, the boosting female-founded or female founders' grant initiative from the government is going through a bit of a shitstorm. <laughs> well, seems. they
2: also, about the last month ago, they sent us an email. They wanted us to do a survey, but they didn't BCC. They put everyone on it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God. And you should see the replies that people are saying. It's, it's actually quite funny but quite terrible at the same time. So where were we at?
0: We were talking about kind of how you're managing working capital, cash flow, how you're growing the business from the money perspective.
2: Sure, sure. So, I mean, look, a blessing in disguise and a big boost was obviously selling into Rebel Sport. That was a really big purchase, which was done, that was June last year. So even in 2020, when I was due to actually launch, it was March and it was the day before COVID was announced and our press release was going out the next day. So I said to my PR guy, who was actually a friend at the time, well, still is, but, you know, at the time, I said, I think we should hold off. There's some virus people are talking about so we did and then we went into lockdown so that actually changed our whole strategy so we were actually really targeting community sport at the time our product is a grassroots product so we really want to get into the hands of the young girls obviously by their parents the moment they start playing sports so if you're an eight-year-old and you're taking up aflw you pack your mouth guard your boob armor footy boots. So you can obtain an injury when you're flat chested that actually presents itself when your breasts grow, which could be deformity, asymmetry. And, you know, we also know that a lot of teenagers stop playing sport because of their boobs. That's, you know, I think in the UK, it was like 78% or something give up sport in their teens because of a body and specifically their boobs. So as I said, that was a great boost. But, you know, it's very much because we're creating a new category as such, so much needs to be spent on marketing. Mm. And, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes through advertising because we're not hitting the right people. It's been a lot of trial and error. No one's looking for breast protection. We're still creating that need. Mm,
0: Yeah, you need to educate the market first. I'd love to kind of go back to kind of, the time around launch and preparing to launch. I know that you were saying you were going to kind of launch around COVID, then COVID happened, you decided to change your go-to-market strategy. Let's talk through what the go-to-market strategy was and how you did start actually putting the word out there that led you towards getting these kind of big partnerships with someone like Rebel Sport.
2: Sure, sure. So actually, COVID was a in a way a favour as well because it actually stopped us to just, you know, do some things we probably hadn't even thought of. I hadn't applied for trademarks and I hadn't done patents either. So, oh, you know, we got the ball okay. rolling there. And that was good because I hadn't gone to market yet. So, you know, in a way. But what was interesting too was, I mean, my husband's in real estate and real estate agents were one of the first to have to be stuck at home. So when I was, and remember, we didn't know how long we were going to be stuck in COVID. So we were, the AFL had kindly given us the, you know, state by state, Areas to really focus on, which we started making phone calls. Now, people wouldn't speak to me. Men in in presidents of football clubs were like, "No." So I said to my husband, "Can you get on the phone and talk man stuff, and then talk about the product?" He's like, "Sure thing." And he's like, "He's a sales guy. (laughs) He's and he's an ex footballer." So he talked man stuff, and then they'd have the conversation. But what happened was. Because a lot of the clubs rely on, you know, sign-ups and everything, and that wasn't happening that year, a lot of them went broke. So that Mm. was why we really had to change the strategy to go into retail. But strangely enough, it must have been one day I was really bored just sitting at this desk uh, I'm at now, and I thought, I'm going to reach out to Rebel Sport. And they responded, and I started having these Zooms with the guy in Sydney, and he's like, unreal. We'll trial it in 30 stores, and then we'll take it from there. Well, then it was like he just... Ghosted me, or oh, I thought he died actually. I was like, What's happened to his guy? He's fallen off the face of the earth. Anyway, last year in about April, I decided to reach out. I'm like, Hi, Susie Betts, you may not remember me from Vegas. Oh, yeah, of course I do. I went shoes, footwear. And I'm like, Oh, you just changed positions, forgot about <laughs> breast protection. But in hindsight, that was a blessing too because I think we were too early for the market then. Mm. So then he put me on to the buyer, the football buyer. I flew up there. We had a great chat meeting and and then they went into store, which has been, you know, a great. But before that, end of 2020, we started working with Sports Power, which are regional stores. And then we're also going into into Intersport this coming February, which are more regional stores
0: was that kind of the main like driver for you then in in your revenue it's, it's partnerships and retail and like more of that focus versus like direct to consumer sales via the website
2: well we do obviously do direct to consumer but what has the pattern now is it's all overseas buyers so we we're, we're really working out the best way to really launch globally so At the beginning of this year, I think, I said this in the One Roof thing, but I I became a top 10 finalist for a a VC company in the US. So it's called Stadia and they have an accelerator program. So there were 750 global sports brands that applied and I made it, as I said, to top 10. I had to go to St. Louis, Missouri and pitch, which I think I settled. So I was glad I didn't have to go back there because I didn't like it there. (laughs) Great experience though. It was It was amazing. I took my daughter with me because she was going off to Canberra to ANU this year, but she's out of business herself, which she started at 16. She's actually made more money than I've made, which is pretty disappointing. But I said, you can come and watch how this all works. So we had to pitch in front. Well, I did have to pitch in front of 100 judges, and they were from Under Armour to Adidas, Nike. There were obviously investors as well. There was people from the college system. There were people from the Olympic Committee. And they all had to vote, and and I didn't make the top five, which is fine because I was the only woman, I was the only consumer product, and I was up against betting and esports. So wait,
0: no women made it into the top five?
2: No, not not a sole founder. No, that's crazy. No, I know.
0: Oh man, did you call that out? <laughs> well, I sort of d- didn't at the time,
2: but I did afterwards because I was like. This is really weird. They were all guys. There was one woman, but she had already had $6 million in investment, but she was part of a, you know, like she was, I think she had about 2% in the company. But she was pregnant and probably, you know, really pulling on those heartstrings. I mean, she was amazing. She pitched a zillion times. We couldn't actually watch each other's pictures, but I just knew from talking to her how amazing she was. She was rolled out to do it, but she was not a, you know, a, a
0: Majority shareholder.
2: Yeah, or a female, you know, initial founder, just part of the gang.
0: And it was tech too. Wow, that's really disappointing. Really disappointing. I know.
2: Look, there had been before. There's a great company called Ida Sports, Laura Youngson, I don't know if you've heard of her, and she developed the female football boot. So she's a number of years ahead of me, but she did make it to their top five. They did it on Zoom, though, because it was in COVID, so she didn't have to fly halfway across the world. Now, one of the reasons I didn't want to have to go back either was My ticket alone was $5,000, and everyone else was flying from interstate from the U.S. I was the only one from such a far away place.
1: (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: I'm wondering, like, though, since kind of doing that, was there any follow-up from those companies? You know, having someone in the audience that is high up in Adidas or having someone that is, you know, high up in Under Armour, did that lead to anything after?
2: Well, it was interesting because I actually got a cease and desist from uh, Under Armour in 2021. Afterwards? No, no, no. So this is before. So before, just when I was, you know, I was in the middle of COVID, a cease and desist from their Washington, D.C. office. It was a nine-page letter of saying everything that I wasn't allowed to do because I was using the word armour. And that cost a lot of money in itself because my legal team here are like, you're just going to have to change the name. I said, no, I'm not. I said, there's at least... 300 other businesses using the word armour. And I said, no, I'm in the the wrong class. You put me in class 28 for my trademark. That's apparel. I should be in class nine, which is PPE. And no one agreed with me until I found a lawyer who agreed with me. So it was like even I had a New York lawyer who kept saying, no, you're going to have to change your name. I think his name was Chip, by the way. Chip. Chip said, you're going to have to change your name. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So we did withdraw and then go into class nine which is where we fitted and so their head of innovation was at that pitch but I was told by the stadia people she was watching my pitch but she wouldn't judge me and she actually wouldn't even meet me
0: god I feel like you're just dropping all these (laughs) disappointing bombs over here I'm like what the hell that is so bizarre it was so bizarre because one woman to
2: woman yeah, she should be like loving me that I'm actually doing something that complements their apparel. As I said, you know, I'm not infringing on them at all, other than the word armor. My product fits beautifully in your crop top, like it does a Nike one, like it does Adidas, Puma, etc. So it was a bit, it was a bit
0: bullish. Wow, that is really. I mean, then there's the other side of me that's like, oh God, are we ever even surprised at this point? Because it just feels like it's this stuff on repeat. At the moment where you just see these things, like, especially on LinkedIn, I'm like, oh, you know, all male lineups and fake women, AI profiles and, you know, all this other stuff that's going on. Oh, God, that's, like, infuriating. Okay, so that was last year or that was 2021? No, that was this year. That was this year. But when I got this,
2: yeah, cease and desist, that was 2021. So I went backwards to that story because she was actually one of their, you know, their head of innovation was actually in the audience watching me. And if I sort of thought about it before I was told, you know, five minutes before I was going on that that was the case, um, and I was number one, too. So, you know, microphones weren't working and all these things at the same time. And I'd never done a stand-up picture in my life, we're talking to slides, but I did. it. I might have said, hold on, she can leave the room because mm. she wants to hear all about my business, but she won't judge me or, you know, she's pulling back her vote. Oh, that's Didn't very make
0: bizarre. Sense. That's very, very mm, bizarre. I know.
2: It was bizarre.
0: What do I want to talk about now? I want to talk more about, I still want to stick in the marketing kind of space and understand more of what's working. And you mentioned you've had to educate the market a lot. So things haven't worked as well, but kind of your experience in what's working well now and what you've tried that hasn't worked.
2: Sure. Well, ambassadors obviously are key. Influential athletes have been amazing. Some like Libby Birch, who's a physio. The day I met her, she was like, love it. Great fantastic. She got it. She's been amazing. And it's not even about the elite athletes wearing it as such. I mean, of course I want them to wear it, but you know, a lot of them don't want to change the way they they play their game. And that's fair enough, but it's getting, it's influencing the grassroots girls. So then it creates the habit and then it's a no brainer. The elite athletes just take it through. So that has been amazing and worked really well, but we we clearly need to do more, but that's where investment in the business will help me be able to scale it because marketing is so key to the success of our product.
0: Are you going down the pathway of investment? Is that the plan?
2: Absolutely.
0: But I've
2: changed my way on that. I, maybe two years ago, I would have said, just give me the money. Just give me the money. Now I want strategic investment. I want you know people to share the vision, to want to be able to grow it, to see the potential. I've had some great conversations, and, you know, you've got people who get it straight away and then you've got great conversations with people you think get it and then they send you an email and you're like, you just didn't get any of it, okay? Because you just asked me a really weird question about the product that we went over and things like that. So it's really about, you know, having the operations guidance because I open a bazillion doors, but me working on my own with mm. help where I can afford it, we're not doing the job well enough to get it. To where it needs to be. And that, you know, that's just key.
0: Right. And when, when we're thinking about the marketing that hasn't worked for you, is that kind of in the, the paid advertising space and more of that area? Or is there other things you've tried that didn't work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So SEO was not great. And I haven't revisited that yet because the keywords weren't there. So we were having to do keywords that might have been mouth guard or shin guard. You know, Mm. nothing was there that was, you know, people weren't Googling for breast protection. And a lot of the advertising too, which has been digital, has, I suppose, missed the spot there because same thing again, you know, we're meant to be targeting the parents, but I'm a parent and I wasn't even seeing my own ads. I was the right demographic Mm. and I wasn't even getting them served to me. So, we're sort of taking a step back. Oh, I'm actually working now on the flow because I had my website redone last year, but no one mentioned the flow, did they, to me? So I haven't been hassling people who get on my website. So, you know, I've needed to find some money to be able to do that. And then once we've got the flow, we'll then start reinvesting in the digital advertising. Got it. My main thing that everyone laughs at me, I just want one billboard. (laughs)
0: I love billboards. Billboard would be great. I love billboards too. It's also just such a fun moment for a brand, I think.
2: I and I really like like the rock posters. I love that grungy look like you know, a mm. band, you know, under a state you know, a train bridge and things like that. And it was oh, Susie and if they don't see them, I'm like, but I really want a billboard. Because it's such a
0: good talking point. Do it in partnership with someone. I know. Get someone on board that you can do it in partnership with someone. I would love to see that. Like in partnership with the Socceroos or in partnership with the Matildas or in partnership with the, I mean, I'm sorry, not in the sports industry here. So I'm probably saying all of this wrong, but in partnership with FIFA or something, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And
2: as I said, it's such a good being stuck in a traffic jam, looking at that and just contemplating what the hell is that?
0: Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah, peaking curiosity.
2: Yeah. And it's a conversation piece. You're right. That's actually a really good really clever idea.
0: I also feel like for you, an obvious move, and and I assume that you're already doing this, is just working directly with schools, no? Well, I decided to go principals,
2: not PE departments, because, you know, they might change, you know, very quickly. Where's the principals there? I sent a letter and a sample, not early this year, last year, to every principal, and not one of them responded. Really? Not
0: one. Wow. That's interesting
2: but we're doing a. the schools is a is a target market in the UK because we're there's a affiliation I've got over there who go in and fit bras mm-hmm. into the private school system like our private school system here they all have to do sport the public school system don't and unfortunately the public school system there a lot of people are you know it, it's it's very hard to even pay for their lunches so it is. Absolutely, it's a school thing. But, again, it's all about the education. And you need one one amazing principal who says it's a duty of care. I'm making this an option for the girls. They need to know about
0: it. Isn't it weird, though, like for you, you have two girls. Could you not just be in the principal's office for your next meeting and be like, cool, like this meeting's actually going to be about this? Like <laughs> this is I'm starting close to home here.
2: <laughs> Interestingly enough, my elder daughter, who's now the one at uni in Two years ago, we fitted out their whole football team. Now, that football team never lost for a whole season and every other school thought it was because they were wearing boob armour.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Mm. Wow.
2: And they were undefeated.
0: Because, yeah, I feel like for you, your, like, grassroots marketing of just, like, girls who are wearing it and then in the changing room, other girls being like, oh, what is that? Like, you know, it it would spread that way.
2: Absolutely. And that's why we did Cool Colours because, Mm. you know, girls don't want to talk about boobs and you know they're not so it's like what the hell is that oh it's cute it's pink oh I can have an orange one I mean we can even do logos on them now in saying this and and this is always is my sort of what I talk about you've never had a guy question putting on a cricket box no they would never question that because those crown jewels are more important than anything in the world so it doesn't even fit snug there's two sizes. there's a youth there's a men's they sweat. It's made of the same plastic as Lego. It doesn't even absorb the impact and they crack and apparently pinch. But not one man would question that.
0: It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Isn't it bizarre?
2: And the, and you'd have a zillion in the PE department at a high school. Yeah. Well, let's hope they own their own. God. But... <laughs> literally but they wouldn't question it and apparently someone said to me the other day in the, one of the you know Australian matches the other day the guy walked out to bat and he forgot his box and someone ran out the game stopped and they ran out his cricket box
0: wow yeah, crazy it is indeed the gender gap in in you know another area <laughs> that's right that's
2: right exactly
0: I want to talk about you know with 2024, basically on our doorstep now, I want to talk about goal setting and how you're kind of thinking about your big goals for next year and and what you're really excited about achieving.
2: Sure. So we have really identified that soccer and AFLW are really where the growth is in female sport. Obviously, AFLW here, but soccer currently has 30 million girls playing. FIFA have predicted that by 2026, it'll be 60 million around the globe. That's amazing. Can you imagine if we had a mandated product like a mouth guard or like shin guards or like a cricket box, you couldn't play without having breast protection, which is so key. So and so important. So that is one of our goals. My long-term goal is to make it mandated globally, but we're really hitting our strides with the international market for next year.
0: And when you think about, you know, that goal, for example, with FIFA coming out and saying that it's going to be $60 in the next couple of years, how do you develop a partnership with someone like FIFA? Like is that just you reaching out, you know, following up, all that kind of stuff, or like what what does that look like? How do you get a partnership with someone like that?
2: Well, interestingly enough, I did speak to the head of women's in Switzerland maybe two years ago, Sarai Beerman's her name, and she was divine. She's like, I love your product. I love what you're doing. I just don't know how we can work together. And then I've spoken to FFA here. They were sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really needs to, I suppose, if we can accelerate the process of going down the path of mandate, then there's, you know, it's just going to happen, isn't it? But it's not that easy. Yeah. Because like even even when I have conversations with women, some love it, some don't get it. So mm. you've got to be speaking to the right person.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Something I want to talk about more on the show because it's something that I struggle a lot with and I'm just curious to understand how other founders are handling it is all kind of around, you know, we all face challenges, business is difficult, but mental health specifically, I feel like anytime I speak to someone, you know, it feels pretty like across the board, people struggle in lots of areas of life. I guess what I'm saying is more like Entrepreneurship is hard. Burnout and overwhelm is a real thing, and I'm just wondering for you, you know, have you experienced that and how do you kind of balance, you know, life and taking care of your your brain?
2: Well, I love that question because, you know, no one no one tells you when you you're a startup about the emotional side of it. Mm. And I suppose the whole cash flow thing, which I never thought about, it has been the biggest thing that keeps me up at night. Now, I'm at the age where, you know, you don't sleep that well anyway. So at two o'clock in the morning, if I wake up, that brain starts going and everything is worse in the middle of the night. And I'm like, I'm going to have to shut the doors. I'm going to, this is just terrible. And then my husband starts snoring and I'm, you know, it's just, it is, it can be really stressful. And, you know, I'm so obsessed with this business too that I used to do a lot of sport. I really have given up a lot of the things that I normally do, which is so key for my mental health. And that was what I was thinking about the other night when I was awake. I need to start doing those daily walks. I need to get back into tennis. You know, I used to play tennis three times a week. I haven't played in three years. And, we all, you know, that's why we want to keep the girls in sport. And by protecting them, that keeps them in sport, not only for mm. the physical side but the mental side. Yeah. And how, you know, we all know how good we feel after we've burned some Energy, you react better. It's just, but it's a really important question because I think no one thinks about it. I've got three kids too. I had a son finish year 12 this year, a daughter last year, and I've got one year off and then another one doing year 12. So, you know, they do say to me, Mum, are you listening? And I'm like, Yep, but I'm not. So I'm not
0: there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just feels like, I don't know, maybe it's this year specifically, but I've spoken to so many people who are struggling. And I feel like it just, yeah, it's it, it's interesting to hear other people's perspectives about what people are doing to kind of make sure that their mental health is okay. And it's also just hard to kind of like understand, you know, of course, we do all the lifestyle changes. We do the walking and we do the movement and we do the things that we're meant to do to tick the box of like, this is good for our our soul and our mind. But it still feels like the burnout and the overwhelm is something that's hard to conquer.
2: I think... In the middle of the year when I was really having cash flow problems, I actually think I said to my mum, I really could have a nervous breakdown. Like I felt everything, uh, it doesn't help also, you know, the interest rates, everything's really expensive. My husband's a real estate agent. They've had a really crappy year across the board because, you know, people are too scared to buy. Everyone's thinking that, you know, their houses are worth more than they are. So there's a lot of financial stress just in life.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. School fees,
2: everything. It's just not, nothing's easy.
0: Nothing is easy. Bloody hell. Knowing what you know now, you know, you're a few years into the journey. You've had some wonderful success. You are, you know, you've learned a lot, it sounds like. If you were to start a new business tomorrow, it could be any business, but just in general, you were starting a new business tomorrow. And for for our listeners who are in the early stages of building a business, What would you do the same and what would you do differently next time around? I
2: think I wouldn't try and create a new market. I think that's been the biggest struggle of all, but that's what I'm obsessed with. So I have to, if you want instant cash, don't do that. And I think, you know, I just look at my daughter's business. She just wakes up and she's got sales in her account. What does she do? So she's got a brand called Amoriambachi, which are basically she started off by doing Terry Tailing shorts. She now does she did then Terry Tailing tracksuit pants. She does she's but she also designs her logos and things like that. She's got the most divine polar fleece vests coming in. And she basically drops drops it and it's all teenagers upwards and it sells out overnight. Oh my god,
0: we need to have her on the show. We need to book her in. She's
2: the one who just went in at the front door. So she's at at uni studying commerce design, which will hopefully help with her business. So, you know, knowing what you know, as in doing what you do Mm -hmm. is an easier way to start a business. But if you're obsessed with it, with something, just go for it because I don't regret anything. Everything is part of me today. It's if I didn't have those rejections and bad things happen, the good things wouldn't have happened. So it's all part of it. And that's
0: exciting. Absolutely. It's just the money. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, hell yeah. Amen. I actually wrote that on Instagram yesterday. If you're building a business, especially in the early stages, just you've got to be obsessed with the problem and, you know, the solution can change, things can iterate, things can pivot, but you've got to be obsessed with the problem that you're solving and the customer that you're solving it for. And then everything else will eventually follow. You've just got to keep that North Star.
2: Absolutely. And my customer has changed. The customer that I created for was two two daughters. The customer then became every athlete in the whole entire world and now the customers also become defence and military And people in professions where their breasts can be impacted. In COVID, I had nurses reach out who were getting attacked in uh, frontline emergencies, dog groomers who were getting bitten on the boobs, police officers in the riots. And as I said, you know, we've got military who their body armour is hurting their breasts. So, you know, every day I wake up, there's a new customer.
0: Wow, that is amazing. Gosh, So cool. I'm just such a hype girl. I really love it. We like to wrap up these episodes with a series of six quick questions. Some of them we might have already asked, but I ask them all the same. It's part of what we do over here at Female Startup Club. So, question number one is What's your why? Why are you waking up every day and working on boob armor?
2: I want to change the world and make sure that no girl has to go through what I've been through. And I bet, even though you didn't play contact sport, it's not just contact, it's ball, it's impact. I bet your lumps were caused by something along the way. It's to make sure the girls are protected and it's to bring the confidence because Mm. once they're protected, it changes everything.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Question number two is, what's been your favourite marketing moment so far?
2: Oh God, there's lots. I get so excited. I'll tell you one. Oh my God, share a few, please. Okay, so the English Rugby League team won in the World Cup and one of the girls had had an injury prior. So they sent me some videos of her talking and she had the cutest little voice. And it was just, you know, she said, I think, and I loved the way she was so passionate about it. And people I know in the UK have come across her in her club and stuff, and she will not go on without it. So that made my year. It's, I suppose the testimonials is what I love the most. So you know, the real people out there just sending me the loveliest messages saying it's changed their life. And I'm like, you know what? That is the best thing I could ask for.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. Really powerful. Question number three is what's a go-to resource for you at the moment when it comes to, you know, business learning, something like a podcast or a book or a newsletter that you can recommend to other small business owners, business owners, entrepreneurs, founders? I
2: have to say a coffee date. I like meeting up with people who you chitter chat and it's all about real life for me and if you can't meet up because you're in different states, it's having a Zoom and you'll find something and some way you can help each other.
0: Mm, I love that, yeah. It's so true. I think when you can find connection with people and learn from each other through networks and, and meetups and coffee dates, it's, it can also yeah, be so powerful to have people to, to get support from and, and lean on.
2: And if I had, I've got a list of podcasts, you're obviously on the top, that if I had (laughs) the time, when I'm on my walk, I will listen to them. Newsletters or reading? No, because I'll do Kath and Kim reading.
0: What's Kath and Kim reading? You know
2: Kath and Kim. I know Kath and Kim, (laughs) but what's their reading? So you know how she reads like that? She reads, she doesn't read it, she just does that. (laughs) Because she's read about three words. (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. It's like it's more like a scan because then I'm on, onto something else. So I need a conversation and visuals are great for me. As mm-hmm. I said, that's why I love Female Startup Club because I love your colours and I love everything that it is visually.
0: Yeah, I I think like that's the same for me actually. I'm someone who I'm very I need things very visually pointed out to me and yeah, to keep my attention, I need to be stimulated in what I'm looking at. Question number four. How do you win the day? What are your AM or PM rituals or habits that make you feel happy and successful and motivated?
2: Mm, Gosh, in life or in business? Either. Well, business is when I kick some goals, whether it's an order, whether it's meeting someone who loves what I'm doing. They make me do a little dance. I get very excited by things like that. And in life, it's just making sure my family's happy. At the end of the day, if someone's upset, I go to bed upset Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
2: or struggling or stressed.
0: Yeah. You feel the pain.
2: Or or a broken heart. You feel that pain like it's yourself.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Gosh. Question number five is what's been your worst money mistake in business and how much did it cost you? (gasps) Worst
2: money mistake. I did a few, I've done a few sponsorships which another time in COVID when I got a bit bored. And really, there was no return on investment. Some of them I haven't even heard of. And then I just get a bill, a bill. There's a few $5,000 bills around. And yeah, they add up. Going off focus.
0: Yeah. 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 That's the thing. Things add up. You think $5,000 isn't a lot in the kind of in the moment, I think I mean it is a lot. It actually is a lot of money. But you know, you kind of are like, oh, this seems like a good idea, or a thousand dollars over here, or five hundred dollars over here. But then you look back over the course of, you know, a year or five years and you're like, damn, lit a lot of money on fire.
2: I know. And I think when I did it, I thought, okay, well I'm gonna be making this money, you know, within the next few months. And then I'll have someone who'll really drive what they're doing and make sure they're doing it. But you know, like it doesn't happen that quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Last question, question number six. You've already shared so many good ones, but what is just a crazy story, good or bad, from your journey in building boob armor?
2: Well, I've, I can think of a crazy experience. My first retail deal was done with a company, a shop, a big one down here, and he sort of changed. You know, as we went along, didn't pay their bill, didn't pay their bill, then was trying to tell me it'd be on um, sale or return. I'm like, no, it won't be on sale or return. And it was a lot of numbers. Then he told me he was going to discount it, that I was too expensive. And then I said, okay, we'll just take all the stock out, which was covered in their store stickers that actually I could never use again. So that was just a guy who was trying to bully me into the way he thought it should work. But it was never discussed. He's like, yeah, we always discuss our return. I'm like, we never discuss our return. So that was a horrible story. And really, you know, you you do you do learn on those. So, I mean, they'd be, oh, but the great ones are when I go around to like a football club and do a fitting and, the you know, the girls put them on, we've got the samples, and then they won't take them off because, and they start like jumping boob to boob with their, because <laughs> they know they can't feel anything and they're great. And then I'm like, If you take those off, I can give you a new pair in a package. But they make my day. And, you know, I could travel travel like it might be 8 o'clock at night, 200 k's away, and we come home and I'm just like so happy. I'm like, that's made my day.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. That is, yeah, brilliant. Honestly, (laughs) Susie, thank you so much. I've loved chatting with you. I'm such a hype girl. I'm so excited to watch your journey and cheer for you on the sidelines.
2: Oh, thank you. And everything you're doing is phenomenal. So keep doing you. Oh,
0: thanks. (laughs) I'll try.
1: (laughs) Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast.